All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another one. Welcome to another Sterling Dam Rendiciona. A Rendicianola. Rendicianola of the House of Money Sports Podcast. I'm Wolfman J. Got a lot to talk about here. Got a lot to talk about today. You know, coming back for the second one uh, in a week. You know what I mean? But, but... For those of you that don't know where Wolfman J comes from, it's a straight up ode to one of my heroes from the 90s, none other than Wolfman Zach, who who partnered up with uh, who partnered up with the Big Bopper Belding over there in the KKTY studios at Bayside, California. You know, they were bringing that student radio um, to the to the good to the beautiful students at Bayside at Bayside High. So um, so that is where I get that. That's that's what that's where Wolfman J comes from, in case you didn't know. And uh, you know, because if you know something about me, if you want to know something about me, I'm straight up 90s to the core. You know what I mean? Like it, if you cut me open, you know, I'm gonna bleed out. I'm gonna bleed out that that uh that hot, that hot orange and hot pink and and, and neon blue from the nineties. You know what I mean? Like that's what's gonna spill out of the, spill out of these guts. It's all those 90s colors and all those weird-ass shapes that we used to run around with. You know what I mean? And really, you know, and I feel like we're the forgotten. Like, 90s kids are the forgotten, are the forgotten people. You know what I mean? There, there's really, we're like the middle stepchild. We're like the middle stepchild. We're not even the old one or the young one. We're like the middle one that nobody, like, nobody talks about the 90s like that. Unless you're a 90s kid. You know what I mean? Like, like we're not even the stepkid that the step parent is mean to. You know what I mean? Like, they don't even, we're, we're not even good enough to be mean to. We're just forgot about. Because nothing is synonymous with the 90s, I feel like. You know, because in the 80s, you have like, you have the big hair, you know, you have, um, you know, hair bands and, you know, you know, crazy clothes and, uh, you know, just cocaine. You know, you just everybody was on cocaine in the 80s. You know, you have, um, you know, Miami, Miami Vice and big neon signs. I feel like we're in the 80s, you know, and, you know, you just have, you know, yeah, and that's you have militant rap groups. You know, I feel like the 80s were just a free for all party. There weren't really any laws, you know, in the 80s. The 80s were like fun, the fun decade. You know what I mean? Anything went in the 80s. Because it was like right, it was post, you know, peace and love of the 70s, right? Like like the peace and love of the 70s and the 60s fucking revolutionaries. You know, the 60s were all revolutionaries, dude. They just, they were all revolutionaries. They were trying to get, like there was a bunch of groups out there kind of fighting each other, trying to get their beliefs across because nothing was really set up in America, right? So everybody was kind of like set up these groups to kind of like fight the establishment and shit. You know, like if the 60s and 70s spawned a kid, it would have been the 80s, right? It just would have been the, it would have been the 80s, you know, where our athletes were like, had cocaine in their pockets and they were, you know, banging women in between innings and shit. Like that was the 80s, bro. And then, you know, you even had the 50s, you know, they had the slick back hair. They were basically a bunch of like beaver cleaver families, I feel like. You know, they had the slick back hair, all the white, all the, all the wives had the, 
had the, the kitchen apron on with the long dress all the way down to their fucking feet. You know, I feel like that was the 50s. Like, that was the, pro- everybody was so proper to each other and shit. You know, that was like, but everything was in black and white. Everybody was nice to each other. And so, until, and I feel like the world was really in black and white back then. Like, I really feel like when people, like the picture I have in my head, I don't think people, I don't think color was invented until like the 60s or something, you know? I just feel like everything was in black and white and everybody liked each other and got along and respected each other. And then somebody like threw some colors up into this mix or colors. And then we all started hating each other. You know what I mean? Our sensory overload and we just all started hating being mean to each other and like trying to, trying to, you know, step on each other to advance ourselves, you know? But I feel like the 90s are like, we don't have really anything, you know? We don't even have like a music. Like there's a there's even a music for every, for every decade. But the 90s, like we had grunge for a minute, right? I guess. And I, and I went through a grunge phase for like a week but that that just wasn't me. Like I, you know, I had the I had the shorts with the hole in the knee, the shorts like with the hole right above the knee, and uh, the flannel shirt. You know, you tied it around your waist. But that just wasn't me. You know, I was more, I was more Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer. You know, and then when the Chronic came out, it blew my mind, dude. You know, so then it was on to Wu Tang from there. You know, and uh, you know, so it was good. I mean. You know, it was good. You know, it was good. But the 90s, yeah, we're just like, who knows what we are? We just kind of, everybody forgot about us and then we just grew up and, you know, we became like podcasters and shit. We're like in the fucking purgatory. You know, we we don't we don't know if we like bat flips or we don't like bat flips, you know, because we're old enough to, to, to not like them. You know, we're old school enough to not like them, but then we're also young enough to fucking like them. So we don't know what the fuck we are, you know? And 90s kids only like each other. Everybody else hates us. Older people hate us. Younger people think we're old. You know, 90s kids only like each other, man. So, you know, if I could tell, but I feel like, I feel like it doesn't even matter where, what era you're in. We all have pretty much the same beliefs, right? Like the like males, all we care about is push. You know what I mean? And that leads me, like speaking of which, you, this is this is the key. If I could speak to some fucking eighteen-year-old males out there, this is the key to life. Because let's face it, the the downfall of men, and we love you, ladies, but it's women. And that's all, because we get sidetracked when we're younger, and we we kind of try to do it backwards. Like before we establish ourselves, we're worried about the women. When really, when you're 18, you should go to college for about eight years. You should get about three college degrees and make a hundred thousand dollars as soon as you graduate. That as soon as you get that third one, you make a hundred you make a hundred G's right out of the gate. You know what I mean? The first purchase you're gonna need to make. The first purchase you're gonna need to make when you when you're 26 years old making 100 G's a year is a fucking snorkel, and, and because you're gonna to keep from drowning, you know, in the amount of coeds that are gonna be throwing themselves at you, 
You know, instead of working backwards and trying to do it before you've established yourself, do that. I wish I could do that because you're going to more than make up for that hard work that you put in to, to get where you're at. You're going to make up for it in the first week, dude. You're going to make up for it in the first month at least. <laughs> you know, like you might even need a pair of goggles to go along with that snorkel. It's going to be like you're in a video game, dude. And you're, it's like real life Frogger every time you go out of the house. Just trying to avoid like they're just going to be throwing their panties at you. You know, you're just going to be like, you're going to have to try to avoid, you know, female undergarments and naked women. You can't even walk down the street. It's going to be like, you know, you're going to be like the, the, the frogger sounds, dude. Get those frogger sounds in your head that the, the game used to make. That's going to be you in real life, you know, trying to avoid, you know, getting, you know, trying to just walk down the street to go to the gas station to pick yourself up some fucking Laffy Taffy. That's what I would do. If I could do it over again, that's what I would do. I'm not saying go to college for four years, get out and make 50 grand a year. I'm saying go for eight years, 26, get a three, get a master's degree and all that. And then you you, you start, you know, you're making 100 G's or something, you know, at, at a young age. You know what I mean? You know, and do that for a while until you're about 30 and then settle down with the right one. But then again... You know, if you look at Ben, look at Ben Zobrist, like his wife cheated on him. I mean, you know, how are you going to cheat on the World Series MVP millionaire husband? How are you going to cheat on that guy? Like, imagine if she, imagine if she had like a regular guy, a regular nine to five dude. Like she, she, like, like, like she would have to make time for her. Like she wouldn't have a lot of time during the day, you know what I'm saying, to, 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 to get a lot of stuff done because of her indiscretion. She, I feel like she would have a, you know, a laundry list of gentlemen you know, that were up in, in that cervix, you know, smashing that cervix. I feel like you know, if she's cheating on that dude, and, and, and now you got Ben Zobras running around trying to uh, you know, just make sure that she doesn't get half of his fucking money. So... But anyways, anyways, let's, um, oh yeah, did I mention Thrive Fantasy, by the way? They're gonna, they, they are, I still haven't signed the paperwork yet. You know, I, I'll procrastinate, you know, with the best of them, with the best of them. You want to have, like I said, man, you know, you want to have a, you want to have, you know, you want to have a put things off contest with me, you're going to lose that one. Cause I put shit off, you know, I put something off that I had, you know, I put something off on a Wednesday and I won't get, I won't get, I'll, I'll keep putting it off every day until fucking February. You know what I mean? To that hairy February. But, um, so is there some sports going on? Since this is a sports podcast, it's a, it's a podcast about life and sports. You know what I mean? I'm going to bring you. You know, all these life lessons, these valuable life lessons that you're not going to get anywhere else. And we're going to talk a little bit about sports. I tried to tell you guys that the Golden State Warriors, you know, speaking of the 90s, bro, the Ultimate Warrior was my fucking guy. I, you, there was a time period in my life where 
every single day after school, I would listen to Vanilla Ice, I would play Bases Loaded 2, and I would have a poster of The Ultimate Warrior on my wall. And really, I'm pretty sure it was kind of unhealthy because he had huge tits. I mean, he had some pecs, and his nipples were like, I mean, the steroid, he shot steroids into his nipples, bro. You know what I mean? He had, like, he had man tits, you know what I mean? And it was probably confusing to a young lad, but, I mean, listen. Yeah, so, so, so there's another 90s reference, and that could be a common theme in this show because... You know, once it starts, once you start talking about the 90s, it's like an avalanche that goes downhill from there. You know what I mean? It just picks up steam. But the, I told you the Golden State Warriors are too good to lose a, a series of basketball games. A series of seven basketball games, the Golden State Warriors are too good to lose, bro. Too good to lose. Um, they could probably lose Draymond Green. Michigan State's own Draymond Green and still win the, the championship because they would still have Steph Curry, they would still have Klay Thompson, they would still have Andre Iguodala, and they would still have Sean Livingston and all and Kevin Looney and all these guys. You know what I mean? They 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 have enough to lose two All Star players and still win the championship. Think about that. Actually, that would be three all-star players at that point and still win the fucking championship. Because we're talking about the team without DeMarcus Cousins. Portland needed to win game two. They played just about as perfect a game as they possibly could have. And they still lost. They had like 17 three-pointers. Dame Lillard was hitting 30-footers. The bench was playing. I mean, you had Myers Leonard hitting fourth quarter fucking threes to extend your lead to eight points with three minutes left. You have to win that game, dude. You know, you have to win that game. No Kevin Durant in game three and four. Games one and two or three and four. I mean, if you could have tied that series up in one and went back to Portland with no Durant, you know, and that crowd would have been rocking, you would have had a chance. You know, you would have, but now you're deflated, dude. Now you're fucking deflated. I try to tell people the Warriors are too good. And some people think that the Warriors are too good, are better without Kevin Durant. Maybe current, I, I agree with Doug Gottlieb here. I'm going to shout out my guy, Doug Gottlieb. A lot of people don't like him for some reason, dude. I, I you know, Doug Gottlieb, you know, I, he's like cheesy, you know, but I agree with most of what he says. And he, and he said that, and he said that, yeah, the Warriors, maybe Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are individually better. They're going to put up more numbers. But the Warriors aren't better collectively with Kevin Durant. Without Kevin Durant, I'm sorry. They're better with Kevin Durant. You know? And so, and by the way, he called out Jay Williams again, which Jay Williams doubled down again on the Juwan Howard to Michigan coaching thing because because he wants to bring back the culture of the Fab Five era. And he's actually going on TV today, Friday, uh, May 18th, I believe. He's going on TV today to explain it. I can't wait to hear this. And if I don't get to catch it live, I'm gonna, it's sure it's gonna be on Twitter. So I'm excited for that, I'm here for that. I can't believe he keeps doing this. But I mean, the Michigan basketball program is a top five to 10 program. And he wants to bring back the Fab Five era of corruption, 
you know, of corruption and vacated wins and paying players and, you know, that he wants that swag back, that baggy shorts. I think we all know what he's referring to. He's just using the wrong word. And and listen, I love the Fab Five. I was all about the Fab Five. I was rooting hard for them. The, the You know, I was rooting hard for them. You know, I wanted to see them win. Back to the 90s, bruh. We're already going back to the 90s. Again. But I was all about the fucking Fab Five, dude. They were cool as shit, especially to a young... You know, up and coming, fresh faced, fresh faced, beautiful middle American kid growing up, which was me. You know, I liked, I love me some Fab Five. Of course, I was a big Illinois fan, and I, but you know, but yeah, Jay Williams doubled down on it, dude. Jay Williams doubled down on it again. And he even had the nerve to say that that Michigan didn't do anything before the Fab Five, the, that, that the Fab Five made Michigan. But he, I guess he forgot that they won a national championship three years before that, something that, something that the Fab Five didn't do. They won a national championship with Glenn Rice and Ramil Robinson because they beat my beloved Flying Illini. Uh, in the final four after Illinois beat him twice in the regular season. So, but listen, I didn't like Jason Williams. I didn't like Jay Williams when he was Jason Williams. So this might be a little bit of my bias, you know? And like I said, I'm as big of a Fab Five fan as there was out there. You know what I mean? It was all about those baggy shorts and those black shoes. Maybe for like a, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a rebellious kid that I was. No, I identified with that. But listen, man, and and even the point that he's trying to make is crazy, you know. But don't worry, I was still an Illini fan. I was still a big Illini fan, but we weren't really bringing it, you know. We had we had, and I, I'm gonna have to come. I'm gonna take a one quick second and come back here because of some technical difficulties. I'll be right back. Sorry, technical difficulties. Getting back, where was I? Oh, we're running out Shelly Clark and TJ Wheeler. You know, you got the Fab Five over here rocking the new baggy shorts and the black shoes and shaving their heads and shit. So I was all there for the swag. I was. But, you know, I was like 12 or 13 years old, too. Or whatever. However old I was. 90s, all the way. That's another part of the 90s that I was all about. Fab Five. And, uh, and listen, man. You know that was a that was a corrupt. They they were that was corrupt. They were getting paid by a bookie, you know, to to go there and shit. Like Weber was getting money from, you know, some big bookie in Detroit. Like you can you can look that story up. But I'm just saying, Jay Williams, I think he's I think he's confusing the word culture with swag or some shit. Cause you associate like when you think of Michigan basketball, obviously the first thing you're gonna think about you're not gonna think about this little era where they're winning, you know, like. Maybe Michigan fans do. Like, if, you, if you're if you a Michigan fan, you probably like it how it is. But, like, for me, you know, people my age, you know, people that live through, you know, those hot, the hot pink 90s era, you know, we associate the Fab, Michigan with the Fab Five because they were very polarizing couple of dudes. They're very polarizing five guys. 
you know, when they came in, and I'm not even sure Ray Jackson was probably good enough to start as a freshman on that team. Like he was probably good enough to start around the country, but I think they just, they went ahead and made him a starter because they had the other four. You know what I mean? And they just took over that, that whole fucking scene. But so I kind of understand what he means, but it's, it doesn't make any sense because first of all, they're more, they're uh, more successful now, right? The Fab Five went to two national championship games, but all those wins are vacated, right? Or all the, the postseason wins and shit. So they don't, you know, why would you want to bring that back? So he's just talking about swag and like street culture. It's, I mean, I think we know what he means, right? And he feels like Michigan should, should be that again, which that makes absolutely no sense because they're more successful now and they were able to sustain it. And, and he's like, well, you know, Michigan wasn't anything he, he said this on Twitter, too, which is making himself look bad. He said that Michigan wasn't anything until the Fab Five, but they won a national championship three years before that. So and then he and then he and then he doubled down and said, well, show me the 30 for 30 on the Glenn Rice or Romeo Robinson championship. They actually won the national championship. You know what I mean? And he doesn't and he's and, and he says that Michigan didn't do anything before the Fab Five got there. So right there, he's losing credibility. Right. But I mean. And I'm not saying that Michigan shouldn't hire Jawan Howard, but I'm just saying like Jay Williams, you know, he's lost his damn mind. You know what I mean? It's a, and, and, you know, I didn't like Jay Williams back when he was Jason Williams playing for Duke. So, you know what I mean? My bias might be taking over a little bit, but still. And I like how Gottlieb called him out is what I'm trying to say. And then Gottlieb called him out again. And he's they've been they've been having this little back and forth. You know, ever since Jay Williams said you should pay college players. And then Jay Williams called out Gottlieb for fucking stealing credit cards and shit back in, uh, you know, whatever. Whatever era. Back in the 90s, baby. You know, back in the 90s, our fucking sports analysts today were stealing credit cards out of people's dorm rooms and shit. You know, back when they were playing point guard, you know, back back then. Back when you could have a white point guard at a major program. <laughs> You know what I mean? That was 90s too. You could have a white point guard. Like legit, legitimately. And get away with it back in the 90s. You know? So, but, um, you know, I think that the 90s theme has taken over this show. But what I'm trying to say is, my ultimate point is that, you know, um, Portland is fucked. So, you know, I gave them a puncher's chance and they had one. I thought if they were going to, if they could steal game two, they could make it happen. But that didn't happen. So um, let's, uh, that other series, right, in the East. I mean, can we talk about, I mean, that's going to be a boring asset. I'm not going to lie. That's a boring series, man. That's a boring series. Like, I have no real rooting interest in that just because for some reason I want Kawhi Leonard to win and I swore him off when he was fucking we needed a Snickers bar down there in San Antonio when he was being a diva and I don't even like San Antonio or that whole thing with Popovich and shit because I think Popovich is overrated as fuck I think that dude gets way too much credit for what they you know people talk about super teams people talk about those super teams they never include the Spurs for some reason. But, I mean, they have, in their in their heyday, right, when they were, bro, they had three, no less than three Hall of Famers. You know, 
So, I mean, and you need players to win. And there's been no coach that you talk about being one of the best that didn't have, like, a minimum two Hall of Famers, right? But I, th- I feel like Popovich just gets way too much credit. And he's not going to win anything without Duncan. So, I mean, he's not going to win a championship. But anyway, so I, I feel like, but, you know, he had Kawhi Leonard there for a minute. And so, you know, I just feel like I didn't like Kawhi then. For some reason, you know, he's my favorite star player that's left in the East. I don't like, you know, I just, you know, Giannis, everybody likes him because he's seven foot tall and he, and he moves like a, you know, and he can run and he takes these big ass fucking strides and shit. And he's like this cyborg type of basketball player that can't shoot. But, you know, I'm just not, I don't like Eric Bledsoe, like Pat Connaughton, you know, their guard, that little white guard that they have from Notre Dame. You know, if there's one place that guards, the white guards could go, it's Notre Dame, dude, for some reason. Like, that's where, you know, you could be successful there. You could have a career outside of basketball, you know, after college basketball, if you're a white guard from Notre Dame. Other than that, you know, you're probably, you know, your chances are pretty slim. But... But Connaughton is okay, you know. But other than that, you know, they don't really have a lot of... It's just a boring-ass series, man. I don't care. I, like, the Bucks are probably going to win because they have home court advantage, you know. So they'll probably win that series. I don't think anybody's going to beat the Warriors anyway, man. So, I, actually, I'm excited about this NBA draft, probably more so than anything that's going on right now, to tell you the truth. You know, to drop a little bit of that truth serum on this shit. I'm more excited about the draft. And people... You know, it's hilarious, too, because the Pelicans got the number one pick in the draft, right? And the NBA fucking hates that. Like, you know, they they really must not be rigging that thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, back in the, you know, you know, back in the 80s, they got Patrick Ewing to New York. That was rigged. You know, best player, you know, the best college player that had been, you know, of the 80s probably, right? You know, going to, going to fucking New York. You know, you had, <laughs> I mean, they they had uh, what, Hakeem Olajuwon played in Houston for the Cougs back in the uh, five slam at Jamma with him and Clyde Drexler. He then all of a sudden Houston gets the number one pick that year. So, I mean, listen, back in the 80s, dude, they didn't they didn't mind, you know, having a little bit of, you, you know, they didn't mind walking that line between, you know, good and bad, legit and cocaine. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like even, I mean, the, the 80s were the 80s, dude. Nobody, nobody really cared what happened. It was kind of like a free for all. I don't really remember it because I was too young, but it was, it was a free for all of nothing but, you know, feather bangs and, you know, and uh, y- you know, militant, uh, militant rap groups and just a lot of big vocals, you know, and then, you know, just. Quaaludes, maybe. You know, I don't really know. Quaaludes, I think, were done by the 80s, but maybe not. But, you know, either way. And just a bunch of corruption, right? So, and then in the... So, they didn't do that this year. You know, Derrick Rose went to the Bulls. I think, you know, that is what that is. But they had Zion Williamson. And they're, you know, I feel like when there's a player like him, they just rig it to wherever. But he's going to New Orleans. That's a small market. Anthony Davis is trying to get up out of there. So there's really nothing to gain by putting Zion Williamson there for the NBA. They could, they're they losing money on that. But, 
And I, I think it's funny that people think that Zion Williamson could go back to school, right? Like he's not already committed. I mean, first of all, let's just pretend that he hasn't gotten, let, let's pretend that he wasn't paid in college, right? One, it's when, when these guys declare for the NBA, or whatever, it could be baseball, it could be football. When Once they make it known that they're leaving, they become rich people. It's not just when they sign the contract. Like that credit line is there immediately, right? So as soon as Zion Williamson's college season was over, if he wasn't getting paid, which he was in college, and he, if he wasn't a rich person already in college, which he was, but let's pretend that he wasn't getting any money. The second he said, I'm going to the NBA, the, he doesn't have to pay for anything anymore. Like he's, he's, his credit line is good. Mrs. Williamson could go to the car dealership and drive off with whatever she wants. Bam. So it's not like, and so, so let's pretend that he, that nothing that he's done since then would be illegal in terms of being a pro to an amateur. But once he gets a little taste of that lifestyle, he's not going back to college, bro. You know, the best thing about college is the college co-eds, dude. I mean, that's it. That's one argument you can make for college. But like I said, bro, when you're rich, it doesn't matter. And so he's going to be rich. You know, he's going to get all those. He's going to be down there in the French Quarter getting blowjobs from, you know, whoever he wants, dude. And you think, I mean, so, so, you know, he's going to go back. Like, he's going to be flying. He's going to be flying the, 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 the Empress of fucking Rome in. You know, he's going to be chartering that shit in. You know what I mean? And you think that he's going to go back for some Duke co-eds? You think that's important? Like, and and I, I can honestly see Zion Williamson. Like, he seems like the type of guy that would enjoy the college experience. Fine. But once you get a taste of that money lifestyle and that lavish, I mean, it was it's over. He's going to the NBA. And if, if he doesn't, if he really doesn't want to be in New Orleans that bad, he'll ride out that contract and force his way out like Anthony Davis. And he'll still be like 23. I just think it's funny that people think that he would actually do that, even if he could do it. I'm sure. But he's already got all the all the all the stuff. You know what I mean? He's a rich person right now. He's rich. His family's rich. You know, shoe companies will give him things, even if he hasn't signed with anybody. Shoe companies are 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 like he, he like, you know, I, it's funny when you're rich. This is funny. When you're rich, you don't have to buy your own shit. They People want you to wear their shit to promote it. So you don't have to, and this goes for anybody across everywhere. You know, you don't have to buy your own shit, which is fucking, you know, that's kind of backwards, dude. When you have the money to be able to afford it, you don't have to pay for it, you know, because they want you to wear their stuff. So they'll just give it to you. You don't have to buy your own clothes, you know. You don't have to buy your own shoes. You don't have, usually you don't have to buy your own, uh, you know, vehicle. You have to buy your. You don't have to buy your own, like, you know, what else? Like anything that that that, you know, probably your own TV. You probably don't have to buy anything. They probably just give it to you. And if you do, you know, maybe you have to buy like appliances and shit. Maybe. And that's if you don't sponsor it. But your supplements and shit, they want you to to do to be with them. So it's all just, uh, and he's living that lifestyle. You think he's going back to college? You go to class? No. But, you know, let's talk real quick about the Bulls. 
You know, they got the seventh pick, dude. You want to talk about tanking for nothing. Bro, they put their fan base through misery for the seventh pick three years in a row. Like, it culminated. The, the, the culmination of their tank ended with the seventh pick in the draft. The seventh pick in the draft. If I could go Jerry Maguire, 90s movie. If I go Jerry Maguire real quick. You know, when he lost the, the first pick of the draft the night before the draft. The Bulls got the seventh pick of the draft. And real quick, I feel like Jerry Maguire was that transition out of the 90s into the newer generation of movies. If I can just say that. One of the best sports movies of all time, though. If you could get past, you know, the romantic fucking interests in that shit. Like the fucking... Because look, that, you know, when he, when he gets married... And then he goes back crying to his wife and says that, you know, he says the famous line, you complete me. You know, a woman might buy that for a second, like, a, but then she's going to lose respect for you because, you know, that's how women operate. They don't want that sappy shit. I'm telling you, he was better off standing his ground. She would respect him more for it and all that shit. That shit don't work. A woman is either into you still or she's not, period. So all that, you complete me bullshit. It's going to work if she's into you. If not, then she, it's going to make it worse. Trust me. But that's one of the best That's one of the best sports movies of all time, minus that. So, but the Bulls got, the, their tank culminated in the seventh pick this year. This is what it all, this, so they got Lori Markkinen, uh, they got Wendell Carter Jr., and then whoever they get this year, you know, whoever falls to the seventh pick. So there you go. You know, it's not not one, you know, you know, not one. I mean, they might have like a fringe all-star out of that crew. No borderline superstar, you know, no franchise player. You know, Lori Markinen might be the third best scorer on a championship team, maybe. And while I'm here, let me just say that John Morant yeah, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but John Morant to me is overrated. Like, I just do not, you know, are the games that I watched in the tournament. Granted, I watched like all of his games in the tournament, which was only two. I didn't, I, I just, like he, he put up a lot of stats, but I just don't see it with him. Maybe I'm the only person in the United States of America. Maybe I'm the only person in North America. That feels like that, but he just didn't do anything that popped out at me. He hit threes. He had a lot of threes in that loss where they played Florida State. He had some threes, and he's supposed to not be able to shoot. So that was kind of like, you know, was that an outlier? Because he couldn't drive it. Like once they put, once they put, you know, athletes that could play with him. Once he got out of the fucking Ohio Valley Conference. And, they, and he was up against athletes that could compete with him on an athletic level. You know, he still put up big numbers in the tournament. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think, like, I didn't see the, I didn't see any part of his game that's going to translate to the NBA. Like, he, like, maybe his court vision or something like that. But, like, he wasn't strong with the ball. And maybe he's a project. But he's going to get, he's going to come in with all this hype on the hype train. You know, the hype train is out of control for him. He's going to get picked second. 
He's going to Memphis, which he he looks like a Memphis Grizzly. I'll give him that. You know, whatever that means. He looks like that's a that's a spot for him. You know, he's going to go there. He's going to be the guy. I don't know. Mike Conley's there right now, but they're going to roll the ball out. John Morant's good. They want him to be they want him to be it. It, but I just I don't like and you know and I would say that and everybody else is gonna be like John Morant's good John Morant's good you're dumb you're stupid idiot you stupid idiot and, you know and I'll be like why is he good you know what what makes him good because everybody says so and it's like well you know great you know have we seen you know I mean we've seen it before like it, like Greg Oden you know, whoever, you know, back in 06 or whatever, when he was supposed to be like the next great center, like he was on the same trajectory as like, you know, the big dominant dudes like Shaq and fucking, you know, Hakeem and, you know, David Robinson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like Greg Oden was the guy, like big hype, big hype. And he busted on his ass. You know what I mean? That hype train got going a little too quick. You know, and that and that thing, you know, it fell apart. That thing just never got off, never got, you know, off the ground. And, you know, if you would have said that, the same people would have been, you're dumb. Everybody says he's good, so he's good. That's what I feel like that is half of the fucking thing right there is that people, I like to form my own opinions about this, right? Most of the people, especially casual sports fans, just fucking latch on to what everybody else says and they're fucking gone. No looking back. No turning back. And then as soon as the guy isn't good, then they just say that he's a bust and whatever. But, you know, I don't do that. So I feel like John Morant's a little overrated. I think RJ Barrett's going to be a baller. I think that DeAndre Hunter dude is going to be a baller. Um, Jarrett Culver who a lot of people are, are saying might end up at the Bulls. He might be there. You know, I think he's good. I just didn't see it with John Morant. I, like, I saw him have numbers. I saw the announcers fucking sucking him off the whole game. Like, yeah, I saw all that. I saw ESPN talk about him for fucking 48 straight hours when he was in the NCAA tournament. Like, I saw all that shit. But I didn't see Superstar at the next level. So that's what I'm saying. Um, see what else is going on. Hey, transition away from, from basketball for a second. Let's get into some baseball. By the way, my transitions are getting 100% better. At least 99.3% better. You know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, I, gotta, I feel like I got to talk about some baseball. And just real quick, my guy. My guy, Brendan Rogers. I call him B Raj. And actually, I don't call him that. I just started calling that right now. But my guy B Raj is coming up today. Uh, at least that's what Yahoo told me. So that means that I got three guys called up this year: Vlad Guerrero Jr., Nick Senzel, and Brandon Rogers. And they gave Nick Senzel that outfield uh availability. You know, they gave him that outfield eligibility. So now you know, I slide him into that third outfield spot next to Ben and Tindy, and I'm not giving up on Schwarber yet, even though I have about three times already this year. 
So those three are my outfielders, and then I slide Brendan Rodgers into that. You know, he slides right into that utility spot over in the Windy City Fallout League, which I'm in last place right now. But you know what I mean? It's just, I, I tanked, and I built for the rebuild, and here we are. And now it's all starting to come together, baby. All starting to come together. And I still have uh, Bo Bichette and, went and, uh, and Franco from Tampa Bay, who I just read today, he might be the best prospect in baseball once the dust settles on this season. He's like 18, you know, and, you know, once the dust settles on this and you get all these guys that are, you know, the, the Vlads and the Eloys up, you know, he slides into that number one prospect spot and I'm just holding on to him. I'm nursing him like a little bird puking into his mouth and someday he's going to be up, you know, that's just what I do, man. I pick those, I get those, you know, I get those fucking, those juggernauts, you know, and it's, and, and, and so the rebuild is starting to come to fruition. You know, I'm, I'm on a bigger trajectory right now than this fucking White Sox. If we're going to be, if you want to be, you know, if we're being real about it. And I have Casey Mize, who is possibly the best pitcher in the minor leagues right now. You know, I think he went like 30 innings this year, gave up like one hit or some sh- crazy shit. So and he's coming up too on the bleacher bums. You know, and I got to give a shout out to Jesse's super team too, since I'm here. I'd be, you know, I can't leave that squad out. You know, that squad... You know, I'm like middle of the pack, you know, but I'm in every I'm in every game because, you know, that was just a one year draft and that team is stacked for the categories that are in that league. You know, that team's looking good. But so anyway, Brendan Rodgers is coming up. My guy B. Rod is coming up. And, um, you know, another guy that came up since we're talking about that. And this dude is more of a came back type of guy. We got. um we got C.J. Edwards. I think C.J. Edwards could do some good for himself if he grew out a fro or a jerry curl or a mullet. Uh, but I don't think it's any coincidence that, uh, you know, the Cubs are losing games and he's back up. You know, they've lost two in a row and he blew, you know, that eighth inning. He's some, for some reason, they keep pitching him in leverage situations. And for some reason, he keeps giving up the lead. You know, that's what got this whole thing started at the beginning of the year. They were winning that Rangers game, that game two of the season. And he came in, blew the lead. And from there, they went on that skid. Same fucking thing. Like, he's just never, like, I've seen enough. You know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe, I, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, people see it, apparently. And he does have, you know, he's got... He's got, uh, you know, he's got a fastball that moves and shit. I mean, obviously, there's baseball people that know a hell of a lot more than me that are hot that that believe that if he could put it something together, that he's gonna be a dude. But I mean, I've seen enough personally. The Wolfman J, you know, if I could put my, you know, if I could put my um, spin on it, I'd say that C.J. Edwards. I've seen enough and. Uh, I just don't think it, you know, and here we are again. Here we go again. Um, I'm just glad to see my guy Kyle Schwarber finally hit a home run. He was he was bringing in those Orlando Arcia power numbers. And, you know, he's still down there. But, you know, I think that power, I think that power stroke is coming. You know what I mean? I think we're greasing that. I think we're greasing that thing up right now. You know, it was a little rusty. It was, you know, it was just, you know, it got a little rusty in there. 
you know, we need to give it that shine again. So, but I think the power, I think, I think he's due, you know, he's leading off and people, you know, he let off yesterday. People make way too big of a deal out of that. Who gives a shit? The leadoff hitter bats one, bats first once. So my guy Shark G, you know, he's all about the 90s. There we go. 90s leadoff hitter. You know what I mean? He loves that. He loves that Lance Johnson. He wants to put that Lance Johnson up there, you know, who could steal you a base. You know, he wants that dude to lead off all day. Like he likes those, he likes those little scrappy leadoff hitters. That's Shark G. So, you know, I'll throw a little shade at Shark G right here and say that I don't want to Shark. I, I, shark G leadoff hitters mean shit to me. They mean absolutely nothing. Kyle Schwarber's going to bat first once. And he's an OBP guy too. And stolen bases don't mean anything, according to my guy, Bill James. You know what I mean? So, you know, it is, you know, it's not that big of a deal. I'll, you know, he can, I mean, it's no different than batting him anywhere else. Really. And he's going to see more pitches batting in front of Chris Bryant and Javier Baez. So there you go. And when Rizzo comes back, which they're saying that he might come back this week. I don't care. I don't care if Kyle Schwarber bats leadoff. I don't care if he bats eighth. Obviously, he's going to get more at-bats batting first. You know, but I mean, you, you know, you say, well, you know, do you want him to get that many at-bats? Well, who else are you putting up there? You're putting Jason Hayward up there. Do you want him to get all those at-bats? Why not just bat Chris Bryant first then if, you, if you're looking for at-bats, which they might do. You know, they might move Chris Bryant. They, they were talking about, you know, Bryant, Baez, Contreras. But you can't really do that because, you know, I think you got to do that when Rizzo comes back if you're going to do that. You know, because you got to break up that righty. You got to go, you know, you get you need a lefty in there. Unless you're going to bat Schwarber third or something or Hayward or whatever. You got to do it like this. Who else are you going to bat up there? You don't have a you don't have a leadoff hitter since Dexter Fowler, you know, took took that smoker down to St. Louis, the most boring city in America, the rich man's Green Bay, Wisconsin. But, you know, so, uh, you know, they are, um, they got to get that thing back together. But other than that, you know, baseball's, baseball's going on around the uh, around the league you know and I'll come back and talk more about baseball after the weekend but I just want to breeze through that I just wanted to breeze through that and I want to talk about some hockey it's talking about the most boring city in the world St. Lou with Missouri possibly the most boring state in the world definitely some backwoods in that motherfucker dude like definitely some backwoods in that motherfucker. Like you get you get lost in those backwoods down there. That, that's where you know you'll go mushroom hunting if they have morales down in the you know south. What is it? Southeast Missouri. <laughs> you fucking you'll come across, dude. You come across some people with some some buck teeth, you know, and they got they might have some human skin on them. You know what I mean? You know that's um there, there's some. Might, you might run into some fucking cannibals living off the land down there, buddy. So you might want to be careful, but... So, yeah, I don't even know because it's not like they're, you know... I guess maybe they're just too much in the middle of the fucking country or some shit. Like, they get it, you know, just all washes... It all washes like a fucking, like a drain. 
you know, just all washes like a drain. That's where everything just kind of drains down into. And then you got all the fucking, you got all that, you know, you got all the, the shit that the drain catches. You know, some of it doesn't make it down there. And that's where, you know, you got the Cardinals and you got the backwoods of Missouri. But, you know, that they're just living on the top of that drain. They didn't quite make it down into the fucking, you know, they didn't quite make it down to where they were supposed to be. But what I'm saying is, you know, I had a 10, I was on tentatively on the blues bandwagon and the NHL playoffs. And, you know, that was definitely not, you know, that was the most tentative bandwagon that I've ever been on in my life. And the only reason is because I have the, I have loyalty to, to the Rivermen. That was a very contentious bandwagon. And it didn't take long for me to roll off of it. You know what I mean? Like that thing wasn't going very fast and I took my opportunity to fucking bail off. And so now I'm going for the, the, I mean, the Boston Bruins just swept the hell out of the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, the Carolina Hurricanes didn't know what the fuck they were. Like, they were just glad to be there. Small town team. Didn't know how to cycle the puck for anything. Just couldn't cycle the puck. You know, if I, if I got to put my analysis on that one, they, you know, they, they, they couldn't cycle the puck to save their lives. You know, like they could to save their playoff lives, at least. Didn't know what they were doing as far as cycling the puck. You know, I mean, I've seen better, you know, I've seen better, uh, I've seen better, you know, effort, you know, in some, uh, in some junior, in some junior hockey, you know, I've seen more heart, you know, I've definitely seen more heart, but you know, I've seen more heart in, in some, in some street LA street hockey. You know, some of that, uh, yeah, some of that street hockey where, you know, they play on rollerblades and shit. You know, the Carolina Hurricanes were just ready to fucking pack it in, you know. And it it really did look like they, like the Bru- like the moment was too big and the Bruins just, and now they're waiting to see who's going to win, you know, that, uh, that San Jose St. Louis series. And there was a bunch of, um, what, there was a bunch of fucking controversy. Game two. You know, game two took a shit or game three or whatever. Like it was a replay. Like San Jose was able to tie it and win it uh, at the very end of that game and then win it in overtime. So, you know, like I said, man, I'll take a Sharks Bruins Stanley Cup. And then you give, you know, Boston missed out on the Grand Slam because the Celtics lost, but they could still get three or four, which would still be pretty cool. You know, I root for, you know, I'm jealous as fuck. Said it before, I'm jealous as fuck, but I root for, you know, greatness. I want to see it. You know, I want to see that shit. Um, so I could say that this is probably the closest that we're that that we have ever seen to all four major championships in one year. That would have been crazy, man. And Boston was close. Like if they were like Kyrie, like if they would have got rid of Kyrie and maybe had another guy, like a superstar, on the hype level as Kyrie, like the profile level, if they would have had a dude, like you know, if they would have had Kawhi Leonard. Over there, they probably they they, they might have had a like a better chance, and I would put Kyrie and Kawhi as far as profile uh, on the same level. They would have had Kawhi instead of Kyrie. Boston could have possibly won a championship, but maybe not though because Tatum is overrated. Jalen Brown is Jalen Brown. Gordon Hayward still. I mean, you know, is he ever going to be the same again? So. You know, I'm, I'm ready for Boston.
the Bruins. I'm on that. I'm on that bandwagon, you know, all the way. So, uh, plus my cousin moved to Boston too. My cousin moved out there to Boston. You know, he's in the mean streets of Boston. You know, I was, uh, man, sometimes you just don't, sometimes you just don't know. Like, dude, this, this guy, right? Sometimes you just don't know people. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just don't, <laughs> just don't know people like this. So he's on my mom's side of the family, this cousin, right? And, and like me, you know, me and my friends, you know, we were cussing like sailors when we were like nine, 10 years old. I mean, like F-bombs, you know, F-bombs, shit, bitch, whatever. Fuck shit, ass bitch, cunt, shuba to doo wop Like, that was us, dude. That was us. We just walked around cussing. We didn't even say words. We just communicated with each other in cuss words because we thought, you know, it was cool. We were getting away with something. You know, we didn't even say, we didn't even say any other words. Like, if we needed to say something, we would just find a way to do it in cuss words you know we kind of talked in morris code but it was like morris cuss you know what i mean and you know my mom's side of the family the other side was like all you know i want to say this in a way where it's not like i don't want to offend anybody but they were they were heavy in the bible you know what i mean they were deep in that bible you know like maybe they would maybe they would take a day you know like a fun day for them a fun exercise for them would be to you know, eat a good meal, meal of God, you know, at noon, you know, and then go ahead and read a couple, you know, you know, read a couple chapters in that Bible or, or scriptures or, you know, you know, after the meal was over, letting your food digest. And then, you know, you go volunteer at the church or something like that was a, that was like they were heavy into it. Right. So my cousin grew up in that environment. I grew up in a completely different environment. I, you know, we, you know, we, we, we talked in, you know, all we did was cuss at each other. And so, uh, you know, and like try to steal, you know, cigarettes and shit like that, you know, and shoot each other with BB guns. Like we were, you know, you have one side of the spectrum, you have the other side of the spectrum, right? Well, when we get together, you know, we were good friends and we would like hang out, you know, we could, and, and we got along great, you know, like family, like it was all good. And, so we're out in the backyard and my cousin who grew up, you know, as a Christian, you know, in this, you know, heavy in the Bible who had, you know, my, you know, my uncle, you know, he's probably read the Bible 10 times in his life. You know, not just one, you know, I, you know, you, you could try to read, you, you try to read a page of that. You try to read one page of that and it gets a little thick. You know what I mean? You, 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 you know, it starts, you know, you might feel like you're, you're swimming, swimming upstream there. You know, it gets a little tough, but he, you know, he's probably read that thing front to back. I'm going to say 10 times I'm putting the over under there and I'm taking the over on that, you know, just, just as a child of God, man. And my cousin, you know, that's his son, right? My uncle's son, you know, we're out in the backyard and these kids are like, and my girl, we're out in the backyard of my grandma's and these kids are up on this hill. And they said something to us. I don't even know if they even were like said anything derogatory or anything. I don't even know what they said, you know, but my cousin looks at me and he goes, I'll never forget it. You know, here I am. And when I went over there, I was always like on my best behavior. Like I left, you know, I had to like recondition myself into the, into the, you know, into the, the family world where I couldn't, I couldn't just be a complete shithead everywhere and like cuss and, you know, try to steal cigarettes and shit, 
where I had to like condition myself to like use manners and, you know, go back into the, um, you know, I had to go back into the world. Like, you know, but I, I need to like go back into civilian life, kind of, you know what I mean? Where I wasn't just a runaway little, little bastard, you know, getting, you know, trying to look at some nudie mags, you know, trying to break into my best friend's dad's closet and get in that chest and read those nudie mags. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we were about. But anyway, I, I had to, like, be a different... Like, my grandma thought I was a perfect angel until I was, like, 13 and busted a Sega controller on her on the ground of her kitchen because I said I, I let out... I slipped out a cuss word to the high heavens because Curtis Conway got stuffed at the one-yard line with a full head of steam in the playoffs, and I lost the playoff game, and I couldn't reset it because the game ended. So my grandma thought that I was perfect until I was, like, that age. So we're in the backyard and I'm just going along with like, I'm, I'm being like the good son. And, you know, and the Mr. and the Christian guy who, you know, he spent, you know, probably four or five days out of his week over there in the church, you know, you know, singing, singing songs and going to Bible school and, and all that stuff. He looks at me, these kids start saying something to us. I, and I really didn't even, I don't even know what they said, but I don't think it was bad or anything like that. And my cousin looks at me and goes, so what are they? Fucking shit. And I was like, I don't know if you've ever been speechless or like, like it blew my mind. I couldn't believe that he fucking said that. And I was like, I about shit my pants. You know what I mean? Like I've been, you know, I've been surprised before and I've been, you know, I've seen all walks of life. And I don't think anybody has ever said anything to me that shocked me more than when my cousin said, what are they, fucking shit? You know what I mean? So then, right then, when he said that, you know, when I processed it for about two to three minutes, just standing there with my fucking jaw agape, you know, then I started returning fire, dude. It was all good then. I was like, fuck yeah, this and that. Like, I had to let him know what I was about. At that point, you know what I mean? He wasn't going to just start throwing out around F-bombs without me returning a little bit of fire. You know, I went from guns to straight up missiles, you know, right there real quick. I started like, you know, it was over with, you know, they pulled back the curtain. They pulled back the curtain, at least with my cousin, you know, I pulled back the curtain and it was on. You know, what else? You know, what else we doing? What kind of naked magazines you got with you, bro? You know what I mean? That's when I learned that not everybody is who you think they are, <laughs> you know? So, but yeah, that happened, dude. That was a good time. That was, that was a good times back in the day. I remember getting together with your family when you were a kid? Like, that was exciting, dude, and you never wanted to leave. You always had to spend the night with, you know, somebody, like one of your cousins, like, you know, maybe we can move in together for a while type of thing, you know? But then, like, everybody would go their separate ways after it was over, and then it would be like, fuck, I'm by my, you know, I'm on my own again. Like, it's just me against the world again. I thought I had, you know, I thought I had one. You know, but that was all, that was, uh, you know, that was some good, that was some good, clean, that was some good fun, you know? Ah, <sighs> let's see, what else? What? What else? Yeah, man, my grandma thought I was a good kid. Grandma thought I was a good kid until Tecmo Super Bowl. Fucked me, dude. Straight up. 
And then that's when she knew that I said cuss words. <clears throat> and that's when she knew I broke things. Because I straight up broke that controller. And that's the thing, man. Back in those days, like, you were mad enough to break the controller. But once you broke the controller, you couldn't play anymore. You know what I mean? So that's when I figured out, like, maybe, you know, you know, I got to, like, maybe I just had some anger issues or something. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that wasn't, maybe that wasn't, you know, so, so, like, normal as I thought it might have been. You know what I mean? I had something else to say. I can't remember. Um, damn, man, it was right on the tip of my tongue, too. It was right on, it was right there. It was right there, you know, but that's 90s again, dude. There I go, right back to the 90s. Um, yeah, I guess we could get into that preakness. There's really not a lot to talk about with that. The only thing is that. Even the horse that won the Kentucky Derby, like the only, the first horse that's run in the second leg of the Triple Crown from the finish at the Kentucky Derby is the fourth place horse. None of the other horses, Code of Honor, my guy Code of Honor, now racing in this one, you know, I wonder why, you know, why is that? Who knows? Who knows? So I guess we're going to, you know, I got to pick a, I got to pick a champ. I got to pick another winner. You know, but I feel like, you know, my loyalty, you know, I feel like I was really, really, you know, amped up about Code of Honor and he kind of let me down. Like he's not running. You know, I picked Justify all the way through last year. I picked Justify from day one last year and I rode him, you know, no pun intended, all the way to the Triple Crown. Me and, you know, little the little jockey man, you know, we both rode him straight up like the golden mule. Which I kind of sound like I'm getting, you know, I'm finding myself. I'm finding my podcast voice and I'm sounding a little gangster. Realize I feel like I'm sounding a little gangster and I kind of like it, you know. But man, you remember looking up, you remember going over to your friend's house and trying to find his dad's porn? You remember that shit? Who remembers that shit? That was fun, dude. That was fun. That was like an adventure. You know, with the pot of gold, like you couldn't have got it. You couldn't have put a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow and made it any more, uh, you know, you couldn't have made the prize any sweeter. You couldn't have put a pot of gold and made it, you know, I would have rather had the fucking chest of porn, dude, because, because I, I'll be, I'll be, uh, you know, between us, my, uh, at my house, there wasn't any. At least I couldn't. I there was one VHS that was a little sketch, and it was a uh, you know it was like a taped off the TV. You know what I mean? It was like it was on like a Carlitos Way movie, and then once the Carlitos Way movie got over, there was like twenty minutes of like softcore. So that's all I had to work with, man. And it took and I searched high and low. I had to watch every movie front to back just for that twenty minutes of, of fucking softcore, dude. So, I mean, that's how, that's how it goes, dude. That's how it goes. You know, that's how hardcore, that's, that's what we had to go through. And I don't think it's fair. The kids these days, you know, they just need to get a phone and they have access to whatever they want, specifically whatever they want. It's bullshit. You know what I mean? We had to earn it. 
back in the back in the 90s, dude. We had to fucking earn it. Every fucking bit of it. You know, these kids now they don't have to earn it. You know, they just get to they all they need to do is have a phone. You know, even if their parents block it, I'm sure that they, you know, maybe that's the maybe that is the adventure for them, figuring out how to fucking bypass that security code. You know, maybe that's it. But I'm willing to bet 75, 80% of those kids don't even have that security. They just get to do whatever they want, which is bullshit. I don't think it's fair at all. But but, ba- but I remember, like, my best friend's dad. So there wasn't anything in my house. 20 minutes of softcore after Carlito's way. And my best friend's dad, you know, I went over there. And he had an older brother. I was the youngest. I was the youngest kid on my block or in my neighborhood or in my town, you know, I was the youngest kid. Like I was the cutoff, right? And then everybody younger than me was like the old kids in there. You know what I mean? So I was the cutoff of a generation and I was always the youngest one by a couple years. You know what I mean? And so when my best friend lived across the street, he was, a, oh, he was like a year older than me, right? A little bit, old, a little bit more than a year older than me. And his brother was a couple years older than him, right? So I went over there one day and his brother was hiding. It was like being all, you know, nobody else was there besides his brother. And his brother was being all like kind of secretive and shit. And, you know, he's sitting there. He's like, all right, man. He's like, this is what I'm watching. He turned on the TV, bam, porn, right? I was probably like 12, 13. He was probably 16, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Bam, porn. I'm like, whoa. And this was the real fucking deal. Holy fuck field like you weren't getting any realer than this shit i'd never seen this type of shit before uh in front of my eyes you know scenes you know what i mean i looked at a few magazines but never the scenes right so he showed me that and i'm like wow dude and he's like you can't show my brother who was my best friend he's like you can't show my brother but i you know you want to see something cool and he walks me back into this room dude and we open the we pop open the closet we look in this chest and he just opens up like the gates of heaven, dude. Back in the 90s, bro. This was this was like we found like his dad had the fucking like literally like the fucking shrine to the porn, you know, like he had the collection. You know what I mean? Like he had the fucking Roman Empire of porno in this fucking, it was a fucking treasure chest too, which is very fitting in this situation for 12 or 13 year old me. And he opens that up, dude. And there's magazines, there's any magazine that you want. There's any fucking tape that you want. I'm like, holy shit. And he's like, but you know, I showed you this. I was cool enough to show you this. Don't show my brother. So, and he's like, if you show my brother, I'm going to kill you. So obviously the first thing I did, right, when nobody else was there, it was just me and his brother. The first thing I did was tell his brother where the fucking porn stash was, dude. The first thing I said, I didn't even say, I didn't say hi. I didn't, you know, like, you know, I might even cut him off mid-sentence. Like when he was trying to say something to me, I probably said, shut the fuck up, dude. And let's go back here. And we picked open the, and the closet was locked too. You had to, you had to pick it with a butter knife. And we fucking picked that shit, dude. And I showed him where it was, you know, so we could so we could have our fun. You know what I mean? Just a little, you know, just our little visual fun. And and you know what the fuck we did, dude? And if this isn't a typical fucking boys will be boys moment right here, dude. 
Me and his brother left the fucking baseball glove in the closet. So when his, when, when my best friend's older brother who showed me the shit got home, he asked me, he's like, did you show my brother? I was like, no, man, I didn't show him. So he pulls a glove out from the fucking thing and he got, and he threw it at me, threw the glove at me, hit me right in the chest. Bam. He's like, you fucking idiot. I found this in the fucking closet. So basically I almost got us all popped. You know what I mean? I almost got us all popped. We, me and his brother left the glove in the thing, you know, and that's pretty much how that story goes. But, you know, from then on, dude, I was like, you know, every time I went over there, I couldn't even sit in that house without thinking about that porn in the back of my head, like that chest that was in that closet. You know what I mean? Like I'd be sitting there eating supper and I just wanted everybody to vanquish so I could go back there and fucking scrummage through that that fucking treasure chest of porn collection, dude. That Roman Empire of fucking porno in his treasure chest, dude. And I went on vacation with those guys. They took us to the Mall of America. And I remember I was like, yeah, it was like right around the same time, dude. I was probably like 13 or 14. And me and my best friend, we were walking through a store. And we saw the, uh, what was it? The Jenny McCarthy. It was either Jenny McCarthy or Pamela Anderson. The Playboy movie. Like back then when they used to make those. They used to make those, like, Playboy used to put out, like, you know, they were stepping up from the magazines. They were starting to make the videos just of, like, like Jenny McCarthy or, like, the celebrities taking their clothes off. Like, there wasn't any, like, hardcore, like, you know, there wasn't no penetration or nothing like that. No fellatio. No fellatio. But there was some naked women. And it was, like, the famous bitches from MTV and stuff. And I remember, like, we were too young to buy it, so I paid this dude that was in there. He was, like, probably 18. I can't remember, like, if I gave him, like, an extra 10 bucks. Like, my, because you remember your parents gave you money to go on vacation? So I gave this dude, I was like, hey, man, go buy that for me. Just trusted him and all that shit. And he did, too. He came right out of the thing with the, with the, with that Pamela Anderson or Jenny McCarthy. I can't remember. So what did we do? Me and my best friend went back to the fucking... Uh, to the to the little fucking the house that we were staying at, like we they rented out this little uh, you know this little resort spot in the, in the Minnesota, you know where we were, I went fishing and swimming, and we went to the Mall of America. Went back there, dude. Popped that movie in, and we had to like we were sitting there watching it. And we had a lookout. So yeah, that was all. That was my perverted fucking. That was my perverted early teen. You know, you know, late adolescent, early teen years, dude. But that shit was fun, man. Now these kids got it too, way too fucking easy. So what else, uh, you know, what else is going on? What else is going on? Hopefully, hopefully, you know, Shark G, he is in, um, where the hell is he? He's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He's in Milwaukee, Scanson. And, uh, you know, he's going to a concert. I think she actually think he went last night. So, you know, he's probably recovering good today. You know, he's going to swing through Chicago on the way back through. But uh, hopefully we could get him back here for one of these. I'm hoping the next the next one. Sorry. Burping. Uh, gas out of my mouth. But um, yeah, hopefully we get him back here um, for one of these, you know, uh, shooting for Monday or Tuesday. Shooting for Monday or Tuesday. 
So, you know, I guess if there's nothing else, I mean, is there anything that's going on in the NFL? Like this one, I freestyled this one. This was straight from the hip. I didn't even do, I didn't even think about anything, like what I could talk about. You know what I mean? How about these Snapchat filters where these dudes are dressing, or, uh, you know, they could turn you into a woman. Which I must not be able to smart enough to find it because I can't find it on my Snapchat. But, you know, w- dudes are out there making Snapchat profiles with these pictures. Oh, I'm sorry, with uh, Tinder profiles. You know what I mean? And tricking, you know, gay men or, or even straight dudes that are just trying to see what fucking, you know, what guys say to women on, on the Internet and on Tinder. You know, dudes are making these fucking profiles with their face as a woman. And, you know, it's getting all, it's probably getting all, you know, sexual innuendo up in there. Getting a little beefy, you know what I'm saying? Like, literally. And, um, I think that's just weird, man. That's just fucking weird. Like, we have evolved. Man, what's going on, dude? Like, imagine, like, that shit in the 90s, bro. You know what I was just thinking, too? I was watching, um, Public Enemies. I was watching Public Enemies, uh, the movie with Johnny Depp the other day, right? And I remember he was on the run. He was on the run. I think he had just broken out of prison, right? John Dillinger. It was the John Dillinger movie. And he spent a lot of time in Chicago, dude. And he's laying on a bed, right? And he flips on the radio. And then he just lays there. And that was probably the 1930s. And I was, I remember thinking, man, that had to be fucking boring. You know, because there was nothing to do. You couldn't even watch TV in the 30s. You know, but then I was like, you know, that's pretty boring. But then I was like, you know, they probably actually did shit. And they had good relationships with each other. You know, they probably had, you know, they were probably able to talk to each other, have conversations. And they were probably like, because that was the entertainment, was each other talking. You know, pretty much. You know, that's it. You know, maybe if you were lucky enough to get a fucking, you know, catch one of those fucking frequencies, get your favorite baseball team up in there, you know, but that's about it, dude. That's about it. He just laid on that bed and that's what he did. Can you imagine, can you imagine taking John Dillinger and put, you know, cause he was shot the fuck up. Like he was shot up pretty. And I've been to the biograph in Chicago where he got shot the fuck up. But can you imagine taking somebody like that, put just dropping him in the world today? But he would probably have, you know, I don't even know how you would even adjust to that. You know, how would you react to that? Like, would you just spontaneously combust? Would you have just a heart attack? Would he just drop dead of a heart attack because everything is so fucking different? Or would he just go into shock? Like, how how would you... You know, there's just no way to do it, man. But speaking of which, you know, back in that era, Babe Ruth, what I saw a stat the other day, right? I think he had an ERA under like two, what he had like 1,500 strikeouts or something crazy like that, or maybe more. But he was actually a pitcher pitcher. Like people think like, people think that he was just like some kind of novelty where he came up and he was a pitcher and a hitter for a while, but then, you know, he didn't make it as a pitcher or something. That motherfucker was a dominant pitcher, man. Like, he was a good pitcher. Probably, you know, one of the best pitchers of his era. Like, he was a legitimate, 
two-way player as far as a pitcher and a and you know he was hitting those home runs fueled on booze and cigars you know what i mean i don't like how people compare these eras who was better than now because you had you know there was different advantages that you had all the time they were on steroids in the 50s and 60s you know babe ruth didn't have to face the specialty pitchers you know they were on steroids as back as you know 50s 60s and all that so who knows what advantages who had and all that stuff so it's hard to really say because so whatever uh agenda you want to run with you know you can run with that shit but you know so that's basically basically what it is babe ruth was the real deal you know, that was that he was an actual pitcher. That wasn't just, you know, you, you can't just like show like when people talk about Otani 10, 20 years from now, they're going to be like, and, he, you know, how much he ever pitches. You know, they're going to say, I mean, Babe Ruth was a good pitcher. You know, he wasn't just a pitcher just for show, just for something to, you know, he didn't fizzle out like Rick and Keel or some shit like Babe Ruth pitched for a while and he was good. So, you know, there's that. So. Um, but next time we get together, man, we'll have more on the on the NBA, uh, and I'll probably we'll probably talk a little bit more about the MLB. I'll get Shark to talk about his White Sox and that rebuild. It's that struggle bus. Good thing for Yoan Mancada and Giolito's re reemergence. You know, otherwise that would be you know, that could be getting a little hairy over there. Nick Magical just finally hit his first professional home run yesterday. You know, he's been up. You know, he hasn't been up, but he's been in professional baseball for a minute, you know, for a season, you know, going out of a half a season or something, right? Because he got drafted last year. So, you know, you got Lewis Robert, Robert, sucking dingers, hitting home runs, hitting yabos, jacking fucking bombs. Like, he he's taking over the world. And, um, you know, so look for him. But my guy Brendan Raj is up. B. Raj today so i'm excited to get him in my fantasy lineup and the, that rebuild is coming on and now we're winning you know this is the first week i think i've won all year in that league and we're up big and we're beating a bad team but you know that's what you got to do when the pieces come together you gotta you gotta beat bad teams you know you gotta beat the teams that you should beat. you know you can only play who's on your schedule so all right man if there's nothing else at bleacherstar at gmail.com, Twitter, and, uh, you know, House Money Sports at podcast underscore house. You know, hit me up for whatever. We can talk about life. You know, you need some advice, financial advice, relationship advice. I'm here for you, obviously, you know. So until then, see you next time. Blah, blah, blah.